Message Podcast. I am Martin. Joining me tonight is the full trifecta of fine comic book folks. Ronnie Barron, Travis Williams. Gentlemen, welcome. We did it. Yay. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Ronnie is uh all relaxed now. He got married. Yep. yep. He doesn't well, have to move tables anymore. Oh boy. <laughs> Why are you gonna bring up nightmares? Travis, we moved like a dozen table at least like eight dozen times. <laughs> oh what? And they ended up back to where we started originally. Yeah, back to where we set them up is where they ended. Ah <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, anyways. I had fun at Ronnie's <laughs> wedding. I know Ronnie did as well. Uh, good times. Good times. It was fun. Yeah. Congrats, Ronnie. Thank you. Tonight, or today maybe, if you're listening during the day, uh, we are discussing the latest batch of Aftershock titles. We have Dark Red number seven, Killer Groove number five, and Midnight Vista number two. We will be talking about these books in that particular order. So unless we have anything else, should we begin? Let's do it. All right. Dark Red number seven. Written by Tim Seeley with art by Corn Howell, letter or colors by Mark Englert, and letters by Carlos Mangual. Uh, all right, we are starting to get the intricate workings of the uh, Eventide, Eventide, whichever way it goes uh, in this book, and uh, and I enjoyed it because there was some crazy stuff happening in this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some crazy stuff happening. Uh, my right favorite, off the bat. Right off the bat. Uh, poor Stu. Stu, <laughs> Stu, Stu. We need to work on his pimp juice. Yeah. We need to work on his pimp juice. So as the book opens up, uh, Stu is just chilling in bed and some, uh, random half-naked vampire, uh, shows up and, uh, wants to have sex with him. Uh, but he's too dumb to realize it because he's never had a girl, apparently. Nonetheless, a vampire girl. Uh, yes. And a hot vampire goth girl. Yep. Who's cosplaying as a witch, maybe. In assless chaps. Yep. Wait, can we cuss on this show? Have we decided this yet? <laughs> I mean, we're over 100 episodes, so I think we earned a couple. Okay, good. Very good. Uh, good I mean, does ass qualify? That's fine. I mean, why wouldn't it? How often do you see ass in a comic? You could say it on TV and stuff. Oh, you mean as a profanity? Uh, oh, you could... It's all over TV and comics, dude. I mean, I guess... I mean, literal butts. I don't want to press our luck. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, I thought we were talking about donkeys. Got it. That's kind of ass. Mm-hmm. Well, there's Shrek movies. <laughs> yeah, they should have called that donkey ass. That would have been funny. Uh, anyways, yes, yeah, so uh, Stu totally ruins his opportunity to uh, bang it out with a hot vampire chick. Maybe. Okay, I mean, but like... She, uh, you know, does she wake him up or like, what's the deal? Yeah, like, he he's... seems very like she could have just come up and been like, "Hey, like, I want to bang you," and it would have been like fine, right? Well, Travis, I don't know how it is on your side of the world, but uh, this has happened, or maybe happened. Yes, you can. In my younger day, <laughs> yeah, of where like. All of a sudden, magically, a woman appeared and, like, was clawing at my chest. 
Yeah, chances are, if a girl wakes you up and she's literally sitting on your chest, uh, it is not because she wants to go have breakfast. <laughs> Unless her name's Tiffany. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but he's in a vampire lair, dude. Like, I don't know. Sure, and I mean, that's what he says, right? He's like, I feel kind of out of my element because, like, I'm a normal dude and there's a bunch of vampires here. So I would not – like, he, he thinks she's there to suck his blood. And she's like, yep. what are you, stupid? I'm trying to uh, yep. F-word you. Suck something else? Yep. Yeah. She's trying to drain him all right. Yeah. Just Dr- in a good way. Drain his pimp juice. Yeah. Uh, but let me tell you, like, if the girl explicitly says, I was trying to bang you, at that point, Stu should have said, uh, Evie, get out. <clears throat> and the other two vampires that wake up that are half-naked as well. Yes. Uh, and that's not what happens. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I ruined it. But I don't I don't think he ruined it. Like, he might still get lucky with this chick, right? Because she's, uh, she's starstruck because they killed the leaders of the uh, the Eventide. Right. So Stu, Stu might still get lucky. Yep. Now, see here, it was issue seven. Like, back in issue one and two, we didn't care for Stu that much. But here, we're, like, rooting for the guy. Yes. Well, back then, he was kind of an antagonist, right? Now, yeah. after the whole thing, he's kind of become friends with Evie and, and her crew. So, like, yeah. he's he's fine. He, he's he been redeemed, per se. Yes. Right? Yes. Because back then, he was a racist douchebag. Right. Hillbilly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean... Also, like, like he was abused in like earlier part of his life, right? So, yeah, by a priest. Like, yeah, again, like maybe not a reason to like to basically like I don't know, like grab his stuff without asking, you know? <laughs> so, so does that mean that he's not gonna ever have sex again? I doubt that. No, I'm just saying, like the uh, element. Yeah. The element of surprise is out the question. Uh, I, I, I'm just saying, like, he might be sensitive. Yes. Gotcha. You gotta talk these things out. <laughs> but see, Work them out, but, then talk them out. But if he had some pimp juice in him, he would have caught on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, he seems a little slow, right? So that's just, you know, like, he'll find somebody his speed, or he'll... Like somebody will will get him up to speed, right? Right, yeah, true. And and things are a little weird because as we learn here, uh, the centrist of the Eventide kind of has big plans for Evie, and as a result, I guess also for Stu because he's hanging around. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to make Evie kind of like I guess her right hand person, right? Or at least pretend. Yeah, uh, at least pretend like she's important. Uh, we still don't quite know the plan. And there's kind of uh, a second plot going on in this book, which I'm sure will somehow connect to the Evie Stew story. Uh, when we, uh, when we talk about, uh, what was the guy's name? I want to say Papa Bear, but I know, uh, Papa Beta. Um, I like Papa Bear better. They should have gone with Papa <laughs> Bear. Yeah. Uh, but he, he gets sucked out of his blood. So obviously there's like a vampire thing going on there. And mm-hmm. it might have to do with whatever the centrist is plotting. Uh, and we know okay. she, she's kind of a little iffy, right? Because she showed up in that last panel of issue five, I think it was. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, she's definitely suspicious. You know, she's like 
working multiple angles on this thing. And it seems pretty transparent that she's just like using um, Evie for her like newfound celebrity, try and boost herself. Right. And like, she'll be thrown under the bus whenever it's convenient, you know, as for, yeah, like if there is a more specific plan beyond that, who's to say, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, but like, the one thing that, that struck me, um, since you mentioned like Pop Beta, uh, is like the ceremony involves, uh, Evie drinking blood, right? Yes. And she says something about like this blood tastes gamey. Yes. And they say something about drinking from the full moon. Yes. Which is like, I don't know, like, my assumption was that they're trying to say that that's, like, Papa Beta's blood or something. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's why I said these two stories will eventually join at some point. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, in the meanwhile, we have uh, Chip. He is driving cross-country with uh, Gatito and, what's the guy's name? Macabre. Yep, The the vampire hunter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you get a little more... I love the, the world building here, right? Because um, we learned that Macabre's been like banging the centrist the whole time, apparently, uh, which is weird because he's a vampire hunter and she's the leader of the vampires. So you would think that wouldn't happen, uh, even though he like she's got him enchanted or whatever. Um, but he's no longer enchanted by her, right? Chip broke that, and now he's enchanted by Chip. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm banging her." He's like, "I might love her. I can't tell you or not." I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, it's just like you said, like um, the Enchantress name Ashen Black, right? Yes. So it's just her using her power stroke to do whatever she wants. Stroke. Is that a sex joke? I mean, it could be. <laughs> yes, you're correct. You are correct. Um, okay, so w- w- what's your take, though? Do you think that uh, the centrist actually loves the hunter guy? I mean, maybe. I don't think we really have enough to say one way or the other. It could just be the the fact that he was enthralled by her, that he feels that way. right? Like They could be some like side effects of that whole thing. Uh, we don't know. And, and, I mean, it would make sense that she would do that, right? If he's a vampire hunter, she would want to save herself. And if she can hypnotize the guy, then why not do that? Yeah. Uh, that way, that'd be one way to protect her her power from going away. Uh, and she's she's a fantastic politician, right? And we've talked uh, a plenty about all the, uh, the social stuff that Tim Seeley is kind of, like, weaving in uh, very offhanded. Because uh, none of it is outright like, for example, in the Walk Through Hell, and uh, and I think that makes it for a little bit more of a fun story. Uh, but the the way she talks is just like straight up politician, right? She mm-hmm. just tells people what they want to hear, and kind of feeds off of that. Yeah, and then using the back door to get there, however she needs to. Man, you are full of sex jokes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, kind of got to. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Uh, yeah, interesting stuff. I like the, uh, the, the dynamic of these two people, these two groups that we have. Uh, I think Chip and Macabre make for an interesting 
Duo, and uh, and so do Evie and Stu. Um, yeah, especially that they have uh, Gato with them. Yes. So the plan is to get to Chicago and and drop the little wear baby off at uh, at Papa Beta's. Uh, McCobb's like, hey, look, this is Guy Papa Beta. You can you can bring strays in there. He'll he'll take care of them. Jeff's like, cool, we'll do that. And they go, but obviously they have to be really careful because if they get near the place, they'll get killed, and mm-hmm. they are attacked by the were rats. Mm-hmm. Uh, why these these were people are just like chilling as rats in the alleyway? Uh, I don't know. Seems like it'd be more fun to just like be a person in like the safe house. Instead of uh, hanging out in an alleyway eating trash all day. Well, if they're aware rats, then they're below the wolves, right? So then they would just be underlings to them. So that's why they're guards. Mm, okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Are they are they all wolves? There's an alligator. Oh yeah, there's an alligator. See that I like. There should be yeah. more were alligators. It reminded me of Leatherneck from. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Especially his, like, Bayou Talk, too. Or her Bayou Talk, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that whole thing's interesting. I hope that uh, we can delve a little more into the, the were people. Um, I, I I really like vampire stories. Um, but for some reason, like, the werewolf stories are never as good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is, because you can you can make it just as interesting, right. right? But it's always kind of play out the same way. Like vampires are like monster royalty, and the werewolves are just like foot soldiers, right? And there's there's right. like a struggle going on, and I get it. Like maybe that's some social commentary too, right? Like upper class versus lower class. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the way that Seely's approaching that aspect of of the story. Is is very different than what I normally see out of these kind of things. Uh, so that has, uh, I would say, has a, a lot of potential. And kind of like with animosity, it's easier to do that because they're people, but not people. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So Chip and Macab get kidnapped by the Were People because they think they're assassins because they know Macab is a vampire hunter and Chip's with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're kind of saved by Gatito because he's like, hey, these dudes have been driving me across the country and been really nice to me. So uh, maybe they're saved by that. Uh, but then that's when we see Papa Beta sitting on his throne, uh, just like a bag of bones with a, a sweet ass robe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, Papa Beta, he had pimp juice. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Somebody jumped Not on anymore. his chest. He was <laughs> yeah. ready to pounce. Somebody stole his mojo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, very so, good. Uh, re- real fast here. Yes. Okay, so you see Chip on the ground, mm-hmm. and his back's broke. Yes. And then the panel before we see Papa Beta with all sucked out, mm-hmm. Chip's leaning up. Yes. So, uh, obviously his back's not broke, or his uh, vampire... Abilities kicked in. Yeah, I mean, I would assume the the vampire healing factor uh, kicked in, which I didn't have a problem with. Yeah, or maybe they helped him up. I don't know. Yeah, or he was just playing possum the whole time. (laughs) It could be, could be. I don't know. Chip doesn't seem like that kind of guy, and and his dialogue is written in a way where it looks like he's in pain, right? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this, okay? Like, Gatito bites the hunter guy, right? Yes. So, is he going to be aware now? I mean, if it works like it would normally work, then yes. Yeah. If not, they they, they need to establish the rules about how you become aware. Sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know how the where things transmitted. Uh, if it's an STD, like the vampire thing, then uh, then yes. Yeah, I mean, like, do you think she was born aware? Like, I guess, right? Like, I like. I mean, she's small enough where I would assume so, right? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was established actually because they were kind of talking about the backstory. Uh, was it last issue or two issues ago? And you remember how they were talking about they were in that uh, immigrant, uh, the the migrant caravan crossing the border, and the dad got shot. So it was just mm-hmm. the mom and the kid. So yeah, I'm pretty sure she was born as a wear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's like born vampires and turned vampires. So sure. it yeah. could be the same dynamic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's some interesting stuff too at the, uh, the Eventide event too, right? Cause she talks about, uh, blooders and bleeders. Yep. Uh, so there's obviously like groups of just straight up humans hanging out with the vampires. Yep. In the rock world, we call those groupies. <laughs> you speak for the rock world well i mean not that i know personally but you know i watch documentaries oh is that what you call that website <laughs> <laughs> uh yes very good anything else on dark red no i'm uh, good i just want to say that the pc term is band-aid so <laughs> Very good. Uh, Travis, why don't you give me a rating? Uh, I will go four out of five. I will... Mm, yeah, I'll go a four out of five as well. It's a trifecta, because I'm going four out of five as well. Fantastic. Which means, next up, we have Killer Groove number five. This is the final issue of the series, written by Ali Masters, with art by Eon Marin. Colors by Jordi Belair and letters by Hassan Osmani Elhau. This is like a freaking all-star team on this book, dude. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Uh, very good. So give me some thoughts on this issue. Uh, me personally, I thought this was a perfect issue to wrap this whole series up, mm-hmm. actually. Like everything tied nice and messy-like and not nice and neat. Mm-hmm. And art was fantastic. I mean, you got everything out of this. <clears throat> My... Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Finish up, finish up. Well, I was just saying, like, you know, she found out a little bit, or the whole thing. And so then you knew how that was going to have to go down. And the little the little kid. The little kid's hilarious. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. Like... It almost leaves open interpretation whether or not he actually can play good and just has an addiction to kill. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think we uh, – you may not have been on that episode, but I think we talked about that on issue four uh, when we got the, the flashback scene and we saw that he had killed somebody and the cops had shown up to his house when uh, when he went off to join like the hippie gang. Um, so I think this is not like a new thing for him, right? 
he's he's always been a killer, right? And somehow managed to escape the law. Um, what I, what I found really interesting, and I'll, I'll I'll say this, and I'll I'll kick it back to you, Travis, and then we'll go from there. Uh, you know, a book is really good when half of it has no words. And you can read the comic in like literally two minutes and you're like, well, shit, that was good. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times if you read a book really fast, you're like, well, like where's the substance, right? Because you read this so quickly, you're like, surely like something else happened. I had to have missed something. But with this book, it didn't feel that way at all. It's like all the threads are wrapped up pretty nicely. I would say the ending is very satisfying. And that's what I meant by messy. Because it was a messy ending, but it was all nice and neat, like you said. I was just trying to. Yeah, no, I I, I got what you <clears throat> meant. Um, I, I, I found yeah. that interesting because I don't think you get that a lot in in comics, right? Um, and I think that's why we enjoy doing a show in AfterShock because AfterShock has a tendency over most publishers. Um, I, I would say the only other publisher that generally has the level of consistent quality across titles is uh like vault for example um and we don't do a vault podcast shame on us but uh yeah it was just it was really good really good it was such a fast read like i read it and i was like how am i at the end already but like none of it bothered me anyways i mean i i I think maybe you know i would agree and my take is like i might describe it as cinematic you know Yeah, yeah like like it's kind of you know more like it's it's not dissimilar from like watching a movie that would be showing the same thing you know and like you know there's not a lot to read in a movie you know like there there's like some action scenes kind of like took big chunks out of this issue you know um and like you know tons walls of text are not necessary in like this story you already know what's happening you know um so, like, you know, definitely wrapped up kind of quickly and easily in that respect, you know. Uh, kicking back to an earlier part of the discussion, you know, I think the question was asked, like, is Johnny actually any good? Um, I, my take is that he is good because everybody around everywhere says in every issue, every opportunity that, he, like, he is good and, like, his career is, like soaring you know like some more details there might have been illustrative but i take it at face value um well yeah my question though hang on before you before we sidebar to your question the only reason i asked that was because like in the first or and or second issue like he couldn't play a lick until like he made his first kill and then like everything seemed to click for him musically yeah, and and you're right, Travis. I think everybody does seem to agree that he's good, so we should assume he's like really good. Uh, the only person that disagrees is the little girl, and I would say that's to be expected, right? Cause it's a different generation, right? And, and I was just saying, like, is he good because like he's on that high of of killing somebody? If that makes sense, to yes. where. And then all of a sudden, you know, because before he didn't have that high, he was just going and playing. Right. And then, obviously, if you're going to record an album or put it on vinyl or whatever, 
he's got to make that kill before he goes into the studio to record that album. Mm-hmm. And then so everybody just assumes he's good because of that album. Well, okay, I, okay. I, I do well, have let a me question say, on that, but I want I want to hear Travis's question. Okay, like my take to that, I just want to add that like basically every rock musician, you know, like like or like so so many of them, like the most famous depended on substances during the peak of their like creative and commercial career, you know. Correct. Like yes. You know, like there's like a Bill Hicks quote that's on a Tool album. You know, like all you like all your favorite musicians like way high on drugs. You know, yes. Like, um, so you know, like they depended on it. You know, does that mean that they're not talented? Clearly, they are. You know, like I think it's the same thing here, but it's just a different high. Yes. Is that yeah? Your, that's is that your that, question? That was, that was the point I was no, trying to make. No, okay. no, no, no. Okay. No, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. My question, though, we take that at face value, right? Um, you know, there's this, like, basically, the the climax is him saying, like, I wrote my masterpiece, you know? Uh, and, like, he just wants it to be finished, you know? And, you know, she responds by, you know, like, no, shutting him down and then burning what there was of it, you know? So... I think that that, like, just makes me think, like, was it really a masterpiece? Um, you know, if so, was it the right thing to destroy it? Is there any way that, I, like, you can justify, like, I, I don't know. Is, is it possible for any work of art to be worth a death? Well, um, since it's his masterpiece and he killed people to make that masterpiece, then, yeah, probably... Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with Ronnie. Um, mm-hmm. I think it makes sense for her to destroy it because if she doesn't, then and it's truly a masterpiece. Let's assume uh, he's going to become really famous off of this, and he's not a good dude, right? So she she, she doesn't want him to be remembered after death for being this amazing like musical talent when in reality, like he's kind of a deadbeat person. Who just got lucky because he's inspired by killing people. I mean, I guess you could like kind of make an analogy to like all of the real life musicians out there who like now like, it's known that they, you know, were sex offenders or, you know, that that type of thing. Abuser, you know, like and what that does to their legacy, you know, people, yeah. You know, so it's, it's kind of like the same thing, right? I don't think no. I don't think it's the same thing. I don't think it's the same thing. And and I think this has come up a lot over the last year or so with the whole Me Too stuff. Um, the way that I look at it is simple. Uh, if you're a piece of crap person, but I didn't know about it, and you made great stuff, well, I'm not gonna quit enjoying it because you're a piece of crap person. Like I already had that experience, so I'm gonna keep enjoying it if it was good. Now, will I? decide not to partake in anything else that you do possibly but like what you already did is already done so i'm not going to be like oh i'm gonna go burn whatever my woody allen collection i don't have a woody allen collection Uh, but let's just pretend (laughs) you do no i really don't i did meet woody allen once he was very nice um 
But like, I'm, if I, let's pretend I had a Woody Allen collection, I'm not going to burn it because like he's a pedophile and married his child. Uh, sh- like they're not blood related, sure. Um, but like that's kind of weird, right? It's very taboo the whole situation. Uh, and and I've heard other stories about Woody Allen. Does that mean that Woody Allen is not a good director? He's not a good writer? No, absolutely not. He's still a good writer. He's still a good director. Should I not enjoy the stuff that I, the, the movies that he's done that I've seen from him? No, because I enjoy them. They were good. And I think at some point we should be able to separate the artist from the creation. Well, and also like this case in point, I think like child abuse or domestic violence doesn't really measure up to like killing people to make music either. Sure, but I mean, ultimately, you can probably boil it all down to the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. fine. Let's say Johnny's not a murderer. Let's say Johnny's a whatever. He's a child molester. He's a rapist. Yeah. All right, let's I'm keep with it you. simple. He he he's a tax evader. Oh, he's my hero then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I understand. He just what gets it. inspired by tax evasion. <laughs> <laughs> that might happen in volume two. There you go. No, I think I think it, you guys are both right. I would say because I think it depends on where each person's calling it quits is. But mm-hmm. me saying that you shouldn't like it because of my beliefs doesn't really count because everybody should have their own moral compass, whatever that may be. Sure. And I think too partially you got to remember is like this wouldn't have been true in the 70s when the story takes place. Um, but like there's laws now where like if a serial killer writes a book, he doesn't keep the profits from that book. Yeah, right. Right. It gets donated to charity or like to the victim's families or whatever. Right. Correct. Um, but at the same time, like if whatever, uh, what, what was the guy? Not Ted Bundy. Well, let's just say Ted Bundy. Because uh, they had that movie out recently. Like, Ted Bundy was a crazy MFer. Mm-hmm. Right? And he killed many women. Um, he shouldn't be able to profit off of that, right? It's not a job like, hey, let me make my career just being a serial killer. Right. Yeah, there's no way that he should be making money off of that, period. And the thing is, once, when these guys are killing people, they're not famous. Right? Like, obviously, there'd be, like, newspaper stories or whatever. There'd be on CNN, mm-hmm. like, serial killer, blah, blah, blah. But, like, ultimately, a lot of these guys confess to all their murders and murders that nobody knew about because they enjoy being in the spotlight. They enjoy the fame. And they enjoy getting caught as much as performing the act most exactly, of the time. Exactly. Because they get kind of a thrill out of it. Uh, not all of them, but a lot of them do. And, uh, you know, by her destroying the tape, she's denying him all that, right? Mm. Like, he's just going to die as some guy that made music, and nobody's going to give a shit. He's going to die as a has-been. Exactly. Which, I mean, really, that's what he is. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't know if he's a has-been. He's, he's, he was a, and never was, but, I, I don't know, it seems like he's, he has trajectory, but this would have cemented something that but now, like, and, but like, now he's a has been though. I mean, yeah, I mean, like now he's just like lost to the sands of time. Well, and remember, like 
how famous is he really? I mean, he's local. Right. So it's not like he's a huge name anyway. You know what I mean? But, like, this would have put him over. Right? Like, he would have been nationally famous. Yeah. People yeah, would have been sure. like, oh, this Johnny Serial Killer guy, he made records. Let me go buy his records. And, like, sure, maybe he doesn't get any monetary value out of that, but now everybody knows Johnny. Correct. He's yeah, so great correct. at the guitar. Right? And, like, that's what he cares about. He's not doing this to get money. He's doing this to be recognized as as a musical talent. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I get it. Like, obviously, that's her. You know, she's she's personally invested in this case. Like, she doesn't want him to be rewarded with that, you know? Uh, like she's, she's denying him that, uh, so, you know, I, I get it, you know, it's, I think it's just an interesting thing and they're like, I don't know how I feel, obviously. And like, if you found out that like an artist you liked or whatever, you know, had done horrible, like had murdered dozens of people, you know, like it might be tough to see them in the same way, you know, like, I I don't know. I mean, maybe. I, I don't necessarily think that's true. Uh, I know that's not true for a lot of people, but I mean, I, I can separate the person from what they created, right? And what I enjoy is not the person. I enjoy what they create. Correct. Uh, I'm with you on that one. Uh, so question for you guys. So she finds the the recording he made after he shot Raul. Uh, I thought he was dead. I thought he was gone. But that old man, he's still hanging on. Uh, apparently, fantastic song. Definitely rhymes. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question to you guys is, are all these like hit records that he's producing, do they have like these lyrics in them? Because surely he's not admitting to murdering people on on record, right? So these songs, nobody's listening to. I assume he was writing other songs that weren't about murder. Like he just had like, like you know, the, the high would last him a little bit. He, maybe he'd get like, two, three songs out of a kill or something. And like the first song would be about the murder. And then he does another song about like, you know, weed or something. (laughs) I don't know. I guess. Trucking. Trucking. I think that they would all be about murder. But if you're right there at the peak of that high, then you would find a creative way to disguise it better Hmm. than say, the third song in and then like then we get the Raul part where you're just lame rhyming at that point mm. yeah or maybe he rewrites it like that's the first draft and then he revises it with all the details switched up but see i don't i i don't think he's the type of person to to rewrite it because i think he believes that killing somebody gives him that high and makes that's when his music is at its best so if you don't kill somebody and you go back to try to rewrite it, then in that mindset, then you would make it shittier. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep, very possible. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to assume he he wasn't actually putting all those songs about murders out. Like, if only because it would just get old. It's like, oh, like let's hear another song about murder. Like, you only... <laughs> we'll have three albums of that. Uh, you know, and it's... it's it's playing like a bombshell. Like all of a sudden, the pieces are coming together. Like, oh yeah, every song he sings is about murder. But I, like this one, I know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, 
when he stumbles over the cliff, is that an accident or not an accident? It didn't look like an accident. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, as she destroys his stuff, I think he took the satisfaction away from her of killing him. So he did it himself, basically. Well, doesn't she, but she destroys it after he jumps off. Right. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like, that's, that's his way of taking her satisfaction away from her. Hmm. Is that, yes, he's caught, but he's not giving her the satisfaction of letting her kill him. He's gonna go out on his own terms, basically. Well, he effed up, cause she don't care. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, because when you see her at the bar, she's like, "Did you kill him? Nope. He jumped off. Whatever." Yep. Yeah. Okay. So right before that happens, are there? There's like graves dug, right? Yeah. Or... Yeah, I saw that. There's two graves. So who? Like, there's two graves. Did she dig those? Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't but know. Like, maybe for she. That. Like, it's. I, I don't know. What What's up with those graves? I uh, I looked that over a couple times and I'm not quite sure. Not quite sure. I mean that that whole thing happens after he kills the other musician guy. Um, so at first I was like, oh, he's mm. he's taking grace for them. But this scene takes place six months later, so he's not going to wait six months to dig anybody. Um, then I saw her, and I don't know. Maybe maybe she wasn't expecting to come out of this, right? Yeah. I mean, like, so what? She would, she would drop him in a grave, and then, and then just like, like lay in hers, like, like shoot herself in the head in her own grave, and like let somebody else cover her up, or I, I don't know. I mean, maybe she doesn't. Even though she apparently has been hunting him for a couple months, she doesn't really seem like the person that would just outright kill him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think. I think this is his burial ground, and once for him, and once for her. Mm-hmm. Whether <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I'm not sure who dug it, but I think one would be for each one of them, one way or another. Maybe once for him, and once for the guitar. <laughs> well, that way she can keep him away from the guitar when he dies. You know, like traditionally, when you bury somebody, you might put uh, yeah. like you know objects yeah. they really value. Yeah. And this yeah. way, she's not given the satisfaction of having that guitar with him when he dies. Right. I don't know. She could just bury the guitar. That's a you know that's that looked like a big da- grave to dig. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> it looked the same size as like the man-sized grave. So she dug a man-sized grave for a guitar. <laughs> Look, that but giant, she couldn't lay it on fire and threw into the ocean. The giant grave is for the recorder. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Rate this one up, boys. All right. I'm gonna give this a five out of five. And I'm I'll going rate, five out of. I'll rate the series a five out of five too. Yep, I'm right there with you on that. Mm-hmm. Ditto. Ditto. All right. I I feel it. I feel the spirit. I'll go five <laughs> out of five. <laughs> Man, I wish we could put profanity in episode titles because I would so call this episode "I burned it." Fuck them. <laughs> That's the best line out here. And then the little girl's like, "I bet it sucked ass." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I loved it. Very oh no, good. she's great, dude. Yeah, yeah, she's great. 
She's great. The little girl. You reminded me, from, like, a little bit from Zoe from Rachel Rising. Yeah, yeah. All right, that leaves one book left, fellas, and that book is Midnight Vista Number 2, written by Elliot Rahal, uh, with art by Clara Meath, colors by Mark Englert, and letters by Taylor Esposito. Uh, let's see. Travis, I think this might be you. Uh, okay. Um, so I guess I would start out by just kind of saying I'm very confused about what the, uh, like, the men in black are doing in all this and how they're passing detection. Uh, cause, like, you know, they drive, uh, the kid's dad to, the place to, uh, to like sign the, sign away his son to the state. Yep. Uh, you know, and then they're there to pick him up and take him away from this detective guy who seems to, I don't know, maybe the detective guy is not sharp. We haven't actually seen him detect <laughs> much. So maybe New Mexico is like, I don't know, it's not, they don't get a lot of this type of, uh, crime. Uh, but like, Seems like he would see those guys at the end and be like, what's that? <laughs> okay, this is weird. <laughs> Why is your face crooked? Yeah. I read their voice like the bug guy from Men in Black. One. <laughs> yes. Edgar? It, yeah, it Edgar. looks very Edgar suit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, see, Travis, this is why you should become uh, a UFO expert like Ronnie and myself. Because then you <laughs> would not be confused. Confused about what? About what the deal is with the men in black. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, they, they pass for human, you know? Like, they're not human. Correct. Like, I but, don't know. I, I mean, know. obviously they're human. No, he, they're from he's the... He's not a good detective. Look, they're from the Human Federal Bureau of Investigations. <laughs> okay? And one is named yeah, Michael it... Mann, and the other one's named Mike Manning. So, obviously, they're human. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so maybe he's just not a good detective. I think I solved it. <laughs> well, I'm going to move to New Mexico and become a detective. <laughs> and work one missing kid case for 20 years. But on the flip side of that, really, I mean, you wouldn't... Yes, you would think that something's out of sync with them. But you wouldn't think, like, they're men in black or aliens. Right. Nobody thinks they're aliens because nobody believes in aliens. Right. Right? Like, we, we see the aliens in, in the flashbacks and stuff, or when he's telling his story, um, but nobody else believes it. That's part of the problem with the whole situation. Right? He's been gone for a decade and a half. He says he's a, that aliens took him. He's been riding around the, the galaxy for 15 years. Because there is no time and space, so that's correct. Yeah, uh, and uh, and but nobody knows that. They just think like he went crazy. His stepdad kidnapped him, and he's been gone for fifteen years, right? So if the two stories don't jive, because they cannot believe that aliens are a possibility, uh, then of course, like they're not going to look at the Men in Black any different. They just look like weird dudes in suits. I mean. Like, we just don't see, like, maybe they just drive up in an ambulance and it all happens real fast and he's never, and they, they don't get there ahead of time and talk to him and be like, like, oh, so you're the human detective, eh? 
Well, I mean, also this is I gotta in, get home to my human wife. <laughs> this is also in the in the late eighties as well. Sure. No, this is this is current day, right? No, 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 no. It's not current day. What? Yeah. The first thing happens. I th- I thought in like the oh late yeah night. yeah because he has to he brings in unsolved cases. Dun dun dun. Oh yeah, the unsolved mystery yeah. season was awesome. I used to watch yeah. the hell out of that show. Me too. Um, You're right. But what I'm saying is, we know that there's some crazy stuff happening. People that live in this world have no idea, right? right? Everything's just normal and mundane, right? They're in like, New Mexico. Like, what kind of weird stuff might happen? Travis, like, what would happen if somebody, your one of your coworkers came up to you and said, hey, I went out to the bar last night and I don't remember anything, and aliens abducted me, and then, and then told you some far-fetched story, and then... You're like, would you be like, oh, cool? Or you're like, whoa, this dude's kind of crazy. <laughs> I mean, haven't we already seen somebody come in contact with the met- with those dudes and be like, what's up? Like, like, these guys don't look right, you know? I don't know. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's just to say that, like, this detective guy already has this thing in his head for several days. It's like, aliens, aliens, aliens. And it's like, huh, this is weird. Hmm. So maybe he's like he's he's gonna figure it out. That's the arc of it, you know. But like he's figured it out now because their heads are blown off. Yes. However, uh, what what is it? Occam's razor, right? The the simplest explanation is the most likely explanation. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that is that totally depends on your worldview, right? So for us, knowing everything that we've seen in the past two issues, the simplest explanation is hell yeah, this guy got abducted. For the detective who just deals in normal people crime, right? Like people getting killed or drug dealers or whatever. Like that's not in or his kidnapping. worldview. Yeah, kidnapping. Yeah. That's not in his worldview, right? In his worldview, everything is material and everything has to have a material explanation. Right. And because, Black and white. because he deals with people committing crimes, he's not going to take the time to think, oh, well, maybe this kid's telling the truth. Right to yeah. him, the simplest explanation is he's just gone bananas. He got kidnapped. He's got Munchausen syndrome. Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's that's his simplest explanation, and that's everyone's simplest explanation. Uh, I'm I'm curious. Like I, I wish Elliot would have expanded a little bit more during the press conference, um, and maybe at some point, we'll, like there might be another press conference or whatever. Because like the way this issue ends, the S is going to hit the fan, right? Oh, yeah. um, and I think that's something that Elliot's really good at too. Uh, he did that really well in like Cult Classic, for example, last year, uh, where you start off and the story goes a, a specific way, and then all of a sudden, like some crazy crap happens, and like the ball gets rolling, right? So I think come issue three, we're we're really gonna start seeing that ball get rolling. Um, but for now, like nobody has that, so nobody thinks twice about the Men in Black. They're just weird looking dudes who talk weird. Uh, nobody thinks the alien thing is real, and that's where we're going. Yeah, like simple explanation. They they could be Canadians, or you know, if this is on the West Coast, they could be East Coast people with right. just accents. You know. Now, now I will say, there's definitely more going on, and this kind of goes back to Travis's Men in Black thing. Um, there's mention of like Los Alamos in here, and and one of the things about like areas that have heavy sightings uh, happen to be close to like military installations mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so like area 51 
um, Groom Lake, Los Alamos, like those kind of places. Uh, and the the psychologist that's brought in to talk to Oliver, uh, to me, kind of raises a red flag. Because a lot of times when you have somebody come in to try to corroborate a story, uh, they're in there kind of like as a double agent. You know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah, let me make you think you're crazy so this story doesn't get out, right? Everybody else will think you're crazy. But, like, I know what's up. Let me go yep, take so, you to this facility where, like, you'll learn what's really up. Yep. And we'll keep our thing under wraps in the process. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, Ronnie, you might be familiar with this, Travis. You probably are not. Uh, there was, like, a government program, for example, called Project Blue Book mm-hmm. that was created to debunk alien sightings. Uh, I think I, – I'm pretty sure they started in the 50s. It might be earlier. I can't remember. Um, but it was created by the government to debunk alien sightings, find whatever scientific explanations were around. Um, I can't remember the guy that led it, but he was there for decades until they shut the program down. And, like, that was his job. Uh, matter of fact, it was earlier because it started with Roswell, so 47, 48. Um, and that was explained away as, like, a weather balloon. The interesting thing about Project Blue Book is once the program shut down, the guy that led the program in putting in, like, all these scientific explanations that seem legit to people because, like, yeah, aliens aren't real. Like, it's a weather balloon. That makes more sense. Uh, when, when the program shut down, he actually started working with, like, UFO researchers because uh, a lot of the shit that they were seeing in these reports were definitely alien shit. Um, and so he, he started like handing out information on some of that stuff. So I see her as like that kind of character. Yeah. And that might be why the men in black are involved, right? They go get the dad from the airport. They're taking him to, to a facility. Uh, the, the men in black are working with possibly a government agency or some, some kind of agency mm-hmm. that knows about what's mm-hmm. going on. Okay. So like the end of the issue you know, the mother comes in, right? Yes. And, like, they make reference to she's been off the grid for, like, seven years. Yeah, she's Sarah you know? Connor. She's Sarah yep. Connor from Terminator. Yep. Yeah. Like, so she knew that, like, maybe she knows all this stuff is happening, you know? Like, yes. she saw the UFO. Right. Uh, but, but, like, so she knows what's up, swoops in, like, you know, she kills those alien guys, uh, so I don't know, like, like, do they not go on the run now or, you well, know, well, like, they're going like, to have to because she kills two guys and they're yeah. not, not alien guys. She kills two people. Right. Well, so they could prove that they're not human or something, maybe, you know, right. but I, it, I don't detective think is coming with though. I don't detective think they're going to give with. her a chance to prove it though. I mean, how would you prove that they're not human though? Like you pull down their pants and there's like. No, like human genitalia or something. I don't know. Why would you go there? They're just dudes. <laughs> Why would you check for junk? I mean, they they like, could have grown bodies in their alien lab, right? I don't. I don't know. Like, the, like there's. I assume there's a way to prove that, like, a thing in a suit is not human. You know. I mean, if it's a meat suit, it might be oh. grown from like human DNA. Okay, I I understand your yes, Travis. There should be a way to tell if they're aliens or not. But if a woman just comes in barging in and blows the heads off of two people, 
A, she's not going to stand around. She's going to grab whoever and go. Or B, they're not going to give her a chance to explain that anyway. Well, and not just that. What's the autopsy going to be? There's a witness where the lady shot the dude in the head. What what autopsy do you need? There's no reason to find the cause of death. He was shot in the head. All right, so maybe they do an autopsy, and it's like the scene for Men in Black, where it's like, you know, what, what, what are you guys? Well, you know? That's what I'm saying is th- there will be no autopsy because this is like an open shut case. Period. We're yeah. the only ones that know that the aliens. Correct. It's going to be an open shut case if she doesn't get out of this building. She's going down for double murder. Yep. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense or no? Yeah, no, I mean, I just assume it's up there. They're, they'll explain it somehow, you know? Like, it's going to bleed green or something, or, like, I, it mean, just, I don't know. It's splattered red. Yeah, you see the guts. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I, I, I don't think it needs to be explained, because we knew, as the reader, they were they were not human. Mm-hmm. Well, and Ob- 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 Oliver obviously knows, too, right? He's like, what yeah. are those? Yeah, <laughs> he's like the vine. Yeah. What are those? I love that scene. What are those? <laughs> well, what are those things? We are yeah. not things. We are human. <laughs> no person would say that. <laughs> oh man, I, I wish uh, I wish his mom would have said, uh, "Come with me if you want to live." Though that would have yeah. been awesome. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh yeah, there's a lot of really interesting going on stuff going on in this issue. Uh so I can't wait to read 3. I think uh I think 3 is really going to freaking pop, man. Yep. I Def- think it'll be lit. Yeah, it'll be lit. <laughs> We're going to be so woke when we read it. <laughs> uh for sure. What else on this book, guys? Oh, by I'm the way, over- I should point out these are not aliens. We've been saying aliens the whole time. I've been saying aliens the whole time. Uh, these are not aliens. They're multidimensional beings. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. yes. Mm. Uh, that's why they don't like, say, like, where they come from. Right. Because it's like, complicated. Yeah, uh, it's a little complicated. But we're going here. Yeah. Sounds like my mom, when back in the day when I couldn't get a toy, she'd, like, sidestep that question real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Can't go. I'm watching... Uh, Whatever. One life to yep. live. General Hospital. Young and the Restless. There you go. We're young and the Restless. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. All right. Nothing else? Nope. Nope. All right. Ronnie, rate it up. I'm going with a perfect five. Yeah. Travis? Uh, I would go a 4.5 out of five. Shame on you. Because Travis did that, I'm going to go with a 5.5 out of five. <laughs> Nice. Listen, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. I mean, it is our show, so you can do that. Uh, not only is it our show, it's also my final episode, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yep, true that. True mm-hmm. that. Uh, so this is my last episode. Uh, the show will go on. There. This is uh, your last episode for the foreseeable future. Yes, I'll I'll pop in and out at some point. Yep. Uh, this is my final episode. Of weekly episodes. Uh, next week, somebody will be discussing bad reception number three, and you are obsolete number two. Uh, and maybe, if you guys get around to it, the Horde uh, graphic novel. 
Yep. Did you get your copy? Yeah, I got my copy. I didn't. He didn't show it to me. I don't know if he brought it or not. Yeah, it was in my car. Uh, we never were in my car, so this is true. Ronnie got yeah. a uh, New York Comic Con exclusive hoard. Yeah, it's very uh, Layla Lee's cover. Yes, exclusive and signed by Layla, right? And Marguerite. Very nice. Very nice. All right, so if you want to get in touch with us, Twitter is always the best place. At Rumbar316 is Ronnie. Travis is at The Great Magnet. I'm a geek fun. The show is at Aftershock Pod. Thank you all for listening. Have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> and read Dangerously or something. <laughs>